Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. I want to ask you to open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. I know you noticed the title of this message. I don't really like it much. In fact, I don't like it at all. It's a question I don't like. What's in it for us? You know why? Because I find too many folks who are visiting churches asking that question to me. I find too many church members. I find too many preachers asking that question. Well, what's in it for me? And I, I just don't like that question. I think it's the wrong question to ask when we're looking for a church or thinking about our church. And yet, I have to be real. Because... In reality, I know that there are times in every person's life, mine included, when somewhere near the front burner, whether I say it or not, is this question. What's in it for me? And so, for those of us who in the reality of our lives find ourselves occasionally asking that question, Peter gives an answer. And it's the best answer I've ever seen to the question, what's in it for us? 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll read verses 3 through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you may not have seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. On December the 17th, 1927, a submarine was patrolling off the Atlantic coast when it accidentally collided with a Coast Guard cutter. The submarine was so severely damaged that it sank and came to rest on the floor of the Atlantic Ocean about 100 feet down. A rescue ship was dispatched to the area. Divers went down to investigate the scene, and they came back with the conclusion that there was a large hole in the the side of the submarine, and there was no sign of life. There was no hope. The next morning, a separate team of divers went down again to survey the situation, and as they were Moving their way slowly around the edge of the submarine, they heard tappings. 
One of the divers, upon listening to the tapping, heard something familiar. And and it was good that he heard something that for him was familiar because what was being tapped was Morse code. Through the Morse code, the divers found out that there were six men inside the submarine who had survived the crash and were still alive. And the final message those six men tapped out on Morse code to those divers before those men were rescued was this, quote, Is there hope? Please hurry, please. As a pastor, I get to see a lot of stuff. I get calls from people who are going through unbelievable situations. I had a text message sent to me at 6 o'clock this morning from a person who was so distraught they had not slept all night long. It's not an unusual circumstance for pastors. It's not like it happens every day, but it happens a lot. And I, I see a lot of people who are looking more than anything else in life. They are looking for just a little light at the end of the tunnel. They're looking for a hope in a hopeless situation. Seven days ago, we celebrated Easter. We celebrated Resurrection Sunday. We celebrated the the risen Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. It was the greatest day in the calendar of not just the Christian church, but of the entire universe. No other day comes close to it, not even close. But a question could come up, okay, all right, Jesus was crucified, he's risen from the dead, okay, what's in that for us? It sounds like a selfish question, and, and really it is. Except for the fact that the Bible specifically, in more places than one, including this place in 1 Peter chapter 1, answers that question for us. Jesus is risen, you want to know what's in it for you? And the short answer is... Hope is what's in it for us. Jesus is risen, and the fact that Jesus is risen gives us hope that we could not possibly have. He gives us hope in a hopeless situation. And that's what 1 Peter really is all about. It's about this fact that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ gives us hope. I love 1 Peter Uh, I've studied it a lot in in my ministry, mainly because it was a message to young Christians. May have been a message on the day of their baptism. They They had made a profession of faith in Christ. It was now time to make that profession public by going into the waters of baptism. And quite possibly this was a message to the congregation on the day of the baptism of these new believers. And so he talks to them in ways that are pretty clear, talk to a group of new believers. But I I tell you, I find that even for those of us who've been Christians a long time, there are times when we just need to hear the basics. We need to hear the same old story. Because a lot of times we get away from the same old story and we leave our children and our grandchildren really like orphans who are without a good, familiar knowledge of the story of Christ 
living, crucified, and resurrected. A number of years ago, researchers formed, performed an experiment on the effect that hope has on ongoing hardship. And they didn't perform this experiment on human beings, but they did perform this, spir- this experiment on laboratory rats. And here's what they did. The researchers took one set of rats and they put them in water and they found that when they put the rats underwater, this is going to come as a surprise to everybody here, I'm sure, when they kept the rats underwater within an hour, they were all dead. Now, is that a surprise to anybody in this place? (laughs) But if they took those same rats and they put them underwater for... More seconds than I'm sure the rats wanted to, but they would let them up for a few moments. And then they'd put them back down in the water for more seconds than the rats wanted, but they'd bring them back up again. They found that those rats would live for an incredibly long time. And they concluded, now how they concluded this, I'm not quite sure, but they concluded that the reason the rats in the second set continued to live was not just because the researchers let them up to breathe, although that certainly had something to do with it, but it was because those rats believed that if they could persevere long enough, they would be raised up for at least a time and get what they need to continue living. And so the hope that they would be raised up, and the researchers kept training them that way by bringing them up occasionally, the hope that they would be raised up kept them struggling to survive. It's an amazing thing, this thing called hope. And it's an amazing thing that that, that the greatest hope that we could possibly have is a hope that is given to us through The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you some things about this hope. First of all, this hope that we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a real hope. It is a real hope. Peter says in verse 3, he says, Praise be to God and Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us a new birth into a living hope. You know what the word living means there? It means it is real. It's not fake. It's not myth. It's not fairy tale. It is real. Most of you in this service remember uh, a couple of decades ago, maybe not even quite that far, there was a company called Memorex. You remember Memorex? And they produced uh, tapes, cassette tapes, reel-to-reel tapes, eight-track tapes. And in the advertisements for Memorex, they would, they would, uh, they would telecast... A song played by a band, sung by a singer, and they would stop and they'd say, now then, was that real? Was that a real or was it Memorex? Because they said Memorex is such a high quality tape that it is often mistaken or confused with the real live concert sound. Is it real or is it Memorex? Peter wants us to know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us a hope that is not Memorex. There's a lot of things that people look for. They look for hope in a lot of places that are memorex. They're not real. But the hope that Jesus gives us through his resurrection is a living hope. It is a real hope. It is a hope that we can bank our eternal destinies on. Not only that, 
But this hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a personal hope. It is a personal hope. In verse uh, number 4, Peter says that this inheritance that will never fade, never perish, never spoil is kept in heaven for you. It is a personal hope. Back in uh, 1984, 5, and 6, I went three consecutive years on a mission trip, much like our, our Haiti folks, except we went to uh, inland Jamaica. And I'd never been on a, a mission trip like that before, and I was a young preacher at my first church. I was bivocational. I also worked at a bank, got off from the bank for a week in order to go uh, with a team down to Jamaica. We did an evangelistic crusades. We did some construction work on a, a makeshift education building onto a, a primitive, very primitive church. When we came back and we landed at Hartsville-Jackson Airport and we went and we got our luggage and we came to where our families were waiting for us. Some of the guys who were on our team, their families and their churches were waiting for them and they had signs with their names on them. And it did something to those guys. It said something to those guys. They were being personally waited for. They were being looked for. Folks, you know, you know what kind of God we have who would give his only son to die for us and then raise him up to give us life. You know what kind of God we have? We have a God who every morning when you and I wake up, he is, he is standing there holding your name up. Inviting you into a day that he has created for you. He is waiting for you. Listen, it's not just that Christ died for everybody. And it's not just that he rose from the dead to give everybody life. He rose from the dead to give Warren life. He rose from the dead to give Jerry life. He rose from the dead to give Hilda life. He rose from the dead to give Grace Catherine life. It is a personal hope. He knows you on a first name basis. You're not a number in the crowd. You are a friend of God. You are the object of his love, the apple of his eye. And our God has the capacity, because he is God, to look at every individual person in such a way that it is as though you are the only one that matters to him. This living hope, it is real, and this hope is personal. And third, this, this hope is secure. It is secure. He says again in verse 4, God has called you in, in, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And this inheritance is kept, that's a military term right there, kept, guarded, fortified, secured. It is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power. You know why? If you are truly saved, you cannot lose that salvation. It's not because you're good enough, because you won't be. If your salvation... If the maintenance of your salvation depended upon your goodness, you would, you would lose it a million times a day, and so would I. But our salvation, Peter says, is, is kept, 
Shielded by God's power, not by your power, not by your goodness, but by God's power. That's why it's secure. That's why when you truly put your faith in Christ, you will persevere, not because you can persevere, but because God preserves you and keeps you and secures you and and he protects you. He fortifies that that is within you where his Holy Spirit dwells. This hope is real. It is personal. It is secure. And then fourth and finally, Peter tells us that it is a hope that is refined in the crucible of hardships. I often hear the question, and and quite frankly, I often ask the question, why do some people have to go through some of the things they go through in this life? Especially people that I know are good people, godly people. Some of you, godly, godly people, and you're going through some things that are incredible. And I wonder, how is it that such people that I love so much have to go through such devastating situations? And... A lot of the answer to that is, is elusive. I will tell you that. But this much I know. Peter says that in this inheritance, this salvation, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. He's talking to us. He says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, greater worth than anything we value in life today, which perishes even though it refined by fire, even... This, the genuineness of your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The purpose of hardships in the Christian life is to make our faith stronger, to grow our lives deeper, to make us shinier than we were beforehand. Could God have, done, have accomplished this without struggles? Yes, He could. But He has chosen In the unlimited sovereignty of God, he has chosen this as a method to refine us, to refine our faith. G.K. Chesterton once said this, he says, hope means, means hoping when things are hopeless. Otherwise, he says, it is no virtue at all. He goes on to say, as long as matters are really hopeful, then hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. Think about that. Peter Gomes, in his book, The Good Book, Reading the Bible with Mind and Heart, said this. He says, hope does not deny the circumstances of the present. Hope doesn't help us get out of our difficulties. Hope doesn't get us out. Hope gets us through. I was reading recently, an article that was written several years ago, and it said this, one of the remarkable phenomenon of our time is the persistence of the belief among those in power that we can coerce people into decent behavior. We can force them to do it. He said, if only we make punishment tough enough, we keep imagining that the problem that young people have in our time will go away. If only they'll be frightened more. They're not frightened enough, wrote a Washington Post article. And then he said this, great, a great point. He says, the real problem is that our young people aren't hopeful enough. 
It's not that they're not frightened enough, although there's a place for fear, by the, mind you. But the problem is not that they're not frightened enough. The problem, he says, is that they're not hopeful enough. Let me tell you, folks, if ever there was a place where our kids, grandkids, our senior adults, our middle adults ought to be able to find hope, they must find it in the place where Jesus Christ is preached, exalted, taught, sung about, prayed to, given to, and honored and glorified. The church. This is the place where people ought to experience hope. And we have it like no other place on the planet. You have hope, and it's given to you through Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how grateful we are, Lord. We don't have the words in our language to express our gratitude for what you have done for us through the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you'd help us to recognize this incredible hope you've given us. Help us to utilize it, Lord, in the times when it seems like there is no hope. When the light at the end of a tunnel is a train headed our way, Lord, help us still to realize that in you there is hope. Even when the world around us looks hopeless. There's always hope because Jesus is risen. Lord, the resurrection doesn't give us hope just on one Sunday a year. It gives us hope every day of the year. Lord, help us to latch on to that hope. In Jesus' name, amen.